0: It's a musicology class with Louis C.K. on some really good cocaine. You know, clip. and it's, that's the it's, promo it's,
1: clip that we're gonna put out for the podcast. That's what it, you
0: know. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. You know, it's completely unstructured. There's no script.
1: Welcome back to the link. I'm your host Mike Zago. This is episode 25. Very momentous. Quarter of the way to 100. I get it, but I'm very excited to have you hear this conversation. So I'm gonna skip through all the stuff, and I'm moving fast. But I hope you can keep up. This week, I was so excited to have Christian James Hand on, and the reason I was so excited is because I found his Instagram through another podcast, Tom Talks, with Tom Segura, a famous comedian, and Christian was on there and showing off the thing that he does, and I knew nothing about it, and it's so up my alley that I had to share it with everyone. I had to convince him to come on the pod and talk more about it. He runs an Instagram account called at The Session IG Live, at T-H-E-S-E-S-S-I-O-N-I-G-L-I-V-E. Type it in, follow it, and he goes live every weeknight and on the weekends sometimes. He's all over. He's doing it all the time. His schedule is on his website if you want it. And he breaks down music tracks to the stems, which means you're getting just the bass or just the drum track or just one of the vocal tracks and you can listen to them all isolated and he gives commentary as he does it his musical brain is bigger than most people i know it's really like a music podcast that allows you to hear a cool track almost for the first time again it sounds like you're hearing stuff that you've never heard before because you are and it's an unbelievable experience it's live The chat is always going. It's a nice community. It's really fun. I find myself tuning into it literally all the time. There's really nothing like it out there. If you're a music lover, it allows you to hear a song like you're hearing it for the first time again, which is totally rare and impossible, but it gives you that feeling. Because you hear all the instruments and all the vocals and you hear it all separately and it sounds so amazing and things are buried beneath other things when you hear the radio edit or whatever you hear. And then when it all comes together, you feel like it's a brand new song that you haven't heard before, even if it's Michael Jackson Beat It that you've heard 3,000 times. He does Michael Jackson Wednesdays, by the way. Unbelievable. And not to mention all that, he is wildly credentialed in the music business. He has searched and worked in and succeeded in every corner of music. Producing, performing, radio, he picks great songs, he's got great taste, totally different genres. He does live shows in big venues, sometimes with the band, sometimes with important people. He has awesome musicians and producers pop into his Instagram every now and then. The other night, he was doing a John Mayer song, and all of a sudden he's on chatting with John Mayer on the Instagram, and everyone's watching it as he's breaking down John Mayer's song track by track, and they're talking about it. And it's so surreal and cool and you feel like part of the group. It really is an amazing experience. I could not recommend it more. At The Session IG Live. Go follow it. Listen to this. You'll get the vibe from him from this hour. But we talked for a long time and this guy has got a lot of cool stories. I really think you're going to like it. I enjoyed the conversation very much. I encourage you to follow. I encourage you to watch. I encourage you to listen to this. I encourage you to comment on it at the link underscore podcast. Let me know if you're into it. This is so up my alley. There is nothing more that I've found on social media that I like more than this. Strong statement. True statement. Plus, he's a Long Island guy like me. Kismet. Transplant to Long Island. But we count it. We count it, baby. Let's get into it. Oh, and if you need more convincing, he has been not only on stage with one of my favorite musical artists who I took a class on at UConn. If you know me at all, you might be able to decipher that one. And he has interacted up close and personally with my favorite athlete of all time. No more hints. It's coming later. You gotta listen. That's a tease. Hit the music.
0: Yeah, people were uh, people were asking me if I would do sessions over Zoom for them. So we tried, and then Zoom has this fucking leaf blower filter that, if it senses really? a constant tone, it does a what they call a high pass filter, and it cuts out all the low end. And then you just end up with a fucking thing that sounds like you're broadcasting through a telephone. I guess that makes which sense. Which is smart it's- tech.
1: It's designed for like an air conditioner behind you or some shit like that. Exactly.
0: Anytime there's a constant tone, it just goes and just cuts it all out.
1: There's got to be other like video streaming services that don't do that though. I would think
0: there are. It's just you know, like ultimately, the reason that I stick with Instagram is that now I've got forty-five thousand people following me, and it's the only one where you can suddenly have Jimmy Jam get Nile Rodgers to show up, (laughs) dude. Okay,
1: I'm always recording, so I'm gonna use this if it's cool with you. Are you good to start? All right, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like to just like go natural and see what happens with it. But yeah, the Instagram thing is funny to me because the one and done situation that you do is so unique, and I think it's cool because to me, it feels like a for once like a non-money grab kind of situation you know like
0: you Thank want you. it to I, just I, be original you know part of it is that i don't want to have shit sitting up there so that the copyright bot has longer to find that it which it would obviously but the other is that honestly there's like a you know there's a slightly punk rock attitude about the fact that if you miss it you missed it and that doesn't happen in anything else in society anymore everything is like on demand and when you want it and it's I kind of like the fact that much as it's it's a lot of people don't get to experience it, there are people who do get up at three o'clock in the fucking morning in Dubai to hear it. And I'm like, that's Fuck fucking yeah. amazing. You know, it's like there's so people cool. in Australia yeah. who are like, dude, it's like, you know, it's like four o'clock in the morning for me the day after you did it and I'm checking it out. And that it's very, very flattering. But B, to me, it like really gives it, a, you know, especially having done almost a thousand songs now, you know, it really there are people who harken back to like specific moments. Like the first time we did Prince, the first time that John showed up the first time we did, you know, the beastie boy, like all of these incredible moments that, other people don't get to share and that we're really special in this fucking crazy plague of locusts moment that we're all sharing.
1: How did you choose Instagram of all the live things? Is there still a bunch of different live options like YouTube or Twitch is really popular?
0: Basically the reason that I picked Instagram is that I'm a complete fucking Luddite and I don't, (laughs) you know, like it took me forever to get on Pro Tools. It took me, the reason that my email is is because I actually didn't have an email address for a very long time and one of my friends finally got me one and was like you now have an email address and it's (laughs) because you're a fucking idiot and i was like (laughs) okay i guess i have an email all of a sudden so the thing for me was like i did zero fucking research i didn't care i wanted something that would immediately have access to a, a bunch of people who i knew would be interested and you know instagram live originally seems to be the the perfect scenario, and then I, you know, the, the copyright bot sucks, the fact that yeah. it's not in stereo is a real fucking bummer, but that's why i'm kind of like i'm kind of doing it for free and nobody has to pay anything and so i don't think we can complain and really if i were to move to twitch not all 45,000 people would follow me if i were to go to you don't play, think so? you know, like, no because people are I, just inherently creatures of habit
1: yeah but you'd get other people i know you don't want to leave I people would, behind ultimately. that sounds dark but i don't you know want to do I mean? that
0: and, all, and yeah. really it's that it's almost ubiquitous like there's so many people on instagram that you know when peanut from 311 shows up and or when wendy from prince shows up it and jimmy brings people in it's an amazing experience and those people True. aren't on twitch and they're not monitoring twitch and there's no way like you're not paper airplaning which is what that little triangle is that everyone doesn't know what it is like it's actually a paper airplane (laughs) the reason that you know like jimmy jam just paper airplanes people and then suddenly you've got you know like fucking maxwell shows up or the other day where you know suddenly teddy riley's in the fucking room unreal and it's an amazing experience and that to me is worth paying the price of not having stereo and not having it be you know archivable is that the specialness and of the experiences? outweighs these two slight you know dings on the cool factor it's a compensatory thing of being a sit there and have greg filling tell you fucking stories of the day of recording with michael jackson is just ridiculous
1: not even that just that is definitely cool and i love it but even just being in the chat and watching the live and when someone pops in you see that they popped in so right. even just being a part of it is like oh my god this guy it feels like they came into our thing i know it's yours right. but it feels like it's a no, it's, it's for great. everybody you know and it's exactly. the coolest feeling so i hear that and also i don't mean to preach to you at all i was just curious because you're getting the right feeling that you want from the crowd i
0: think it's really interesting to watch like you know when i went on d nice's instagram and did it over there we had a, a large influx of people of color who came onto my page for sure and it was really amazing to watch like the culture of the page sort of overtake them and then realize like, oh man, like this is a completely different party because D-Nice is just literally a club. Right. People are chatting and fucking just like, oh, what's going <laughs> right. on, Linda? What are you doing, John? How's the fucking kids? Yeah, like, which it's is cool. literally, a, it's an amazing experience and he's built such a great culture, but mine is, you know, so it takes, There was like a little bit of gear grind of folks being like, oh, wait a minute. These folks are like listening and talking about the music. And then obviously the Tom Segura crowd that all showed up and they're oh, just amazing. fucking- rambunctious crazy people (laughs) and like there was a little bit of like you know the mom jeans took a little like two weeks to like get the tempo of the room and be like oh (laughs) this is like a completely different thing like this is genuinely all about the music and like people kicking like random facts that they know and like you know there's hugely successful producers who don't have blue check marks in their names who are in that chat room giving like legit pieces like Enrique is like a multi-Grammy-winning fucking producer, and Toby Wright has done fucking shit with everybody, and Brad Wood, and, you know, like, they don't have a blue check marker because they're not Melba Moore, but there are some fucking straight gangsters in that fucking room who have made music that we've all listened to.
1: Absolutely. It, it, I have this love-hate relationship with social media in general. Until I did the podcast, I never really bought into it and then i realized you kind of have to be have a presence on there on instagram and twitter so i'm pretty new to it and i'm finding that i had this like vilified version of it for so long and now i realize there are people like you there's a lot of cool shit there you can sh- filter out all the bs it's fine yeah I mean, everyone it's like is on there
0: if you take the bullets out of a gun it's a great hammer <laughs> you know it's <laughs> so, nice i like that you know it's like out. it's how how do you use the tool and i fucking hate it i don't you know like i'm a as I've said to you know a number of times like I'm a radio guy like I you yeah. know I'm a 52 year old man who was raised on like some of the greatest radio ever in the UK and that's what I've wanted to do since I was four years old so I have significant discomfort with the camera being on like that's uh, I was never like I want to be on TV like I do not want to be on perfect TV for this podcast then. Which is exactly like podcasting (laughs) is, you know, I love it. Like I, you know, like the Instagram thing to me, I've said on a number of occasions is my favorite radio I've ever done. I was actually hanging out with Michael Urbano, who's a drummer, who's done a boatload of shit. And the other day we were talking and uh, he was like, Oh man, I missed your fucking thing the other night because I was painting a fucking fence at my house. And I was like, well, you do know it's radio and you could just put your earbuds in. And he literally looked at me and was like, (laughs) Holy the shit, most- <laughs> dude, I never... I need to post an Instagram I picture never- of
1: you just with a dead stare. Just- he's
0: <laughs> like, I didn't... He's like, I'm so stupid. I actually didn't even think, just put headphones and listen to it. I'm like, yeah, no, it's just a fucking bold idiot sitting on his red <laughs> floor. There's not a lot to look at, man. But that's like, what it I really love about does- it.
1: That's what I'm doing. I- I'm a big sports guy. So at night when you're on, and I'm on the East Coast, so I'm always watching a Yankee game or whatever it is in the summer. And lately, since I've discovered you, I heard you on Tom Talks with Segura. So that was cool. And I got to hear you do it. So anyone who wants to hear, I know this isn't really your bag, but it's up there. So it's on YouTube. Yeah, that's great. On the Tom Talks, Tom Segura YouTube channel. And there's a whole one of the Beastie Boys you broke down on there. So if you want a taste of it, go there.
0: Which is really nice because ultimately, I haven't had anything that just sits Right on a, you know, I don't have a location that I could send people because none of the thing, you know, I'm always concerned about the bot and getting binged yeah. and Tom ran some kind of thing on it and was like, dude, we're clear to do this if you want to do it. So Hell the yeah. fact that I now have something where people can actively send it to friends can fucking drive people to yeah. it. And be like, oh, this is the thing that I've been trying to tell you to check out. And then people are like, oh, that's the fucking thing. And you're like, yeah. So it's really it's a great asset and I'm, I'm really grateful to Tom for being, you know, such a generous host. And that sitting up there is a, is huge, you know, because now my following has hit like a, a fucking critical mass point where it's just hundreds a day now because right. it just I don't yeah. have to drive people to it. There's no, you know, the conversion rate as they call it is way faster, which is really, really nice. So I love the fact that it's sitting there.
1: Is there any way, I have a million questions. We're going to go in a hundred different Please. directions, but I'm just going to shoot them out there. Is there any way that... I mean, obviously, you're getting your hands on these stems somehow, right? So I am. let's talk about that for a second because with that could come permission maybe? Like, are there any oh, dude, I've groups been, or I've bands? Been in conversations, or you've tried this, I guess.
0: I've yeah. been in conversations for five years. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. like I've, that's my point. Like, everyone's like, why don't you go to YouTube? And why don't you do this? I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to make... I want to honestly make the... Library of Congress experience of that piece of music. So the people are like, hey, you want to know about fucking Hotel California? You have to watch this with Christian and Joe. Right. Exactly. Like that's those are that's what I'm aiming for. And it's been a really slow grind, man. The music industry is not known for being forward thinking. Yeah, They're not known for putting art before commerce. And the whole
1: DCMA thing is just insane. It's a, currently. It's it's a not nightmare. Even,
0: it's not even just music. It's
1: just everything. A everything. The copyright a movie. law. It could be anything.
0: Yeah. The copyright law was written in the 1800s and it hasn't no, been ridiculous. fucking changed. So, you know, I've been, and that's one of the reasons that I haven't monetized it. Why I haven't put it behind a paywall is that I want to be able to, even though these people don't give a flying fuck, I want to be able to walk into the rooms with the rights holders and be like, hey, I've been a good guy the entire time. I've never done any, it's donation based. Any of the places where I do my live show, they're paying a BMI or an ASCAP fucking royalty, unless it's somebody's private home, in which case I'm covered there because it's not a paid gig. So I've done everything I can to stay respectful of not only the art, but the commerce of it. And it is, you know, finally now I'm aligned with a really great team. And I think that we're I'm actually doing a demo show for I think I can probably oh, cool. talk about it, which will be, you know, the, the, that's really where I need to go. Because the thing that's interesting is that because they have the, the rights already. No, what's crazy oh, no. is that the deal that was fucking brokered is that you still need permission from the rights holders to use music on a podcast. So I would still need permission. But the thing is, I'm now aligned with rights holders who are giving me permission because they are pretty forward thinking and understand the value of what I bring to the catalog, which is getting people to re-engage in music that has become what I like to refer to as musical wallpaper. You just hear it and it doesn't do anything because you've heard it so much. And now when you hear it in this way, you're like, oh, fuck. And then not only that, maybe I should go and check out all of the BG shit. Maybe I should go and fucking, you know, listen to I've been doing to- it to, all day today.
1: Uh, we're, I don't know who knows when this is going to come out, but you did Janet Jackson last night. And ever since, I'm like, why haven't I listened to more Janet Jackson? And all day oh, today, I'm you. just, I'm bumping it all. And that's exactly what you want. And it it's just, exactly what I want. I'm doing this anyway. I'm a big music right. head. And so when you inspire me to do another person, I'm like, holy shit, you're right. And it's so short-sighted from them to not allow that because it's just driving more people to their thing. It's self-promotion and then they're censoring it. It's, it doesn't make sense. Well, if
0: you're- You know, if you're in the business management area, you know, I have sympathy for them in a certain way, because if you're in business management and your job is to fill the coffers or else you're going to lose your job, the long term thing of like, this guy is going to allow our Fleetwood Mac catalog to grow in plays at, you know, millions of a cent per click, or I'm going to charge this dick 250 grand to use the song. Which one of those two business models makes more sense?
1: I hear that, but also they're doing it's no unfortunate. Work. They're doing no work to just they're allow doing it. no work. It's of like yeah, it's it's a really. I mean, we could go on about that forever.
0: But. The thing for me is that I understand it. It frustrates me and it drives me crazy. But you know, there are other people who do things that are similar to what I do who are constantly fucking bemoaning the situation they find themselves in. And my whole attitude is like, dude. I'm just fucking stoked I have the stems to thousands of fucking songs. For real. Like, I never in a million years thought that I could open my hard drive and have 45 Beatles songs at my disposal. Like, that's fucking insane.
1: I want to talk about that. But before we get to that, I want to just mention, like, do you think there is a critical mass that you can get to a certain level of popularity? Not to say that's necessarily why you're doing it, but that when you have this many followers and people talking about you, and it's ramping up more and more that you can go into <laughs> the boardroom and say, all right, I have enough backing. Now I can kick. Well, the that's in. kind
0: of the position that I've, you know, like one of the, the blessing like COVID and quarantine has obviously been very difficult on everybody. And I've suffered in my own way as a, The only people who really haven't suffered in this experience are the people who are so fucking rich that their lives are completely divorced from reality to begin with. So it was private jets and fucking Tulum, and they never (laughs) had to talk. They never had to go to Ralph's. So (laughs) the rest of us have all suffered in individual ways, and I've suffered my own. But you know, the pivot to getting onto Instagram has. Made the world aware of what I'm doing in a way that I mean I was doing this. People are constantly like, "Dude, how did I not know about you?" I'm like, "I've been doing this for fucking five years." That's man. how like, I felt. I been... This is
1: this thing is so up my alley. It's ridiculous, and I wondered the same thing. But also, I think the live version of it is cool as fuck. It must be awesome to do it in front of a crowd.
0: The live version is a whole other thing. It's it's a musicology class with Louis C.K. on some really. <laughs> good cocaine you know and it's, that's the it's, promo it's, clip that we're going to put out for the podcast that's what it, you know <laughs> that's what i'm doing you know it's completely unstructured there's no script i've watched other people do this there's a, a guy who does something similar not similar but he does a music lecture series on uh, the beatles and uh-huh. one of the things that was hog tying that experience was that it was scripted and it was a powerpoint presentation mm, yeah so i was like i never want this to be scripted so even if i you know like My joke is that Bohemian Rhapsody is my great white whale in that I've done it probably 10 times. And I still haven't done the perfect version of that show Right? because there's always something new to find. There's always a new joke. There are a bunch of jokes that work, but there are a bunch of jokes that are discovered in the moment and sitting there in a room with 200 people. I've been aligned with this producing team for four years now. And their whole thing is like, it's impossible to sit in that room and not, understand that you're sharing an experience that is literally never ever ever happened before it's like i'm i'm not one for self-grandizement at all but i do know that i've invented something that's never been seen before if you sit in that room with 200 people and you're like wait are we literally i mean my friends who are musicians are like bro i can't believe you get people from the general public to literally come and sit and look at a pro tools screen for two hours because that's all that's on the screen it's just the waveforms because you know, we're jaded musicians. So I didn't even realize how much fucking mind blowing shit it would do to people when they realized that they were actually looking look at, at the waveforms yeah, of that right. song. Not like a, a, like a, an emoji of a waveform that <laughs> I have the same waveform for each ones, but like right, that's right. actually this drum performance. That's you can actually this it. vocal. Yeah. And it's really, you know, it's a beautiful thing. So the, you know, the goal is for me to have five or six different versions of the show so that I can, cause I have Asperger's. So I get very sort of like, I love repetition in certain ways because it's comfortable, but I also don't like repetition because it's really boring. Ah, So for me to be able to do different versions of the show with different like with people that have done the song, with people who are just fans of that band, with famous people who have nothing to do with music whatsoever, like being able to jump from thing to thing is awesome because all you're ultimately doing is you're just connecting as a music fan. Like Tom Segura is just a huge music fan. It's the best, you know, and to have him sit there and be like, this is fun. And then jump from song to song and show him other shit. I mean, that's really, you know but then there's a whole other version of it where you sit with the band and you go through the thing or you sit with the producer and you go through it. And each of them is so, such a beautiful different version of it because ultimately I'm never the host, I'm just a fan.
1: Right. That is an interesting feel. It's like the host is the music almost. And you're, 100%. you're in the group, which is different than a lot of other things. I mean, there's just really like nothing like hearing a song for the first time in general. But this is kind of like that. It's the first time that I've been able to simulate that experience of hearing something for the first time. I remember... I liked your episode on Tom talks. It was very cool. And I was like, I got to check this guy out. But then when I tuned in the first time was uh mighty, mighty boss tones, the impression that the impression I guess, I, I think it was that night that it came out.
0: So good.
1: And so good. And you just geeked out over like a one bar four note bass sequence for like a quick yeah. second, just a turnaround, And I was like, nobody talks like this. (laughs) I never get to hear, aside from me or my dad, I never get to hear that. And it's such a unique experience. And then again, you have these hundreds of people coming in more and more every day. And you start to realize like, this isn't that unique. There are a lot of people that love to feel this thing. And there was just no way to get your hands on that feeling before so if you don't want to self-grandize I'll do it for you because it's just been very cool to like have that experience every time whether I've heard the song or I'm into the genre or what it doesn't really matter it's like I guess it's the equivalent of smoking weed and listening to music for the first time and you're like I never heard this before and it feels just like that which is uh well that's
0: really that's one of the things that's been really annoying in the meetings that I've had is like so many times I've like had people tell me what the audience of my show is like who've never seen it, you know? And they're like, well, I would imagine that, you know, if we come to your live show, there's like, it's a, it's a majority of musicians and producers and yeah. engineers. And you need to understand that's a small demographic. Yeah, it's, bullshit. And I'm like, it's not true. I'm like, here's what you should do. You should come to the show. And you'll see that it goes from like literally an eight year old child to a 75 year old person of all creeds, colors and fucking sexual orientation. There are five musicians in the crowd and I know them all by name because they're my fucking loser friends who refuse to pay for a fucking <laughs> ticket. So I have to guest list them every fucking time. And everybody else is the general public who have an insatiable appetite for this thing. They were just never get, they were never allowed into the restaurant. Right. And now that they're in the restaurant, they're like, oh, yeah, dude, I want to go to the buffet and I want to get some Bee Gees and I want to get some Mighty Mighty Boston's and I'll check out Slipknot. And Hell maybe yeah. fucking James Brand is cool. And I don't know. <laughs> could I learn something from fucking Janet Jackson? Fuck it. I'll check that out. Big you time. know, like it's really, you know, like that's the thing is, is that trying to convince the industry in quotes with a capital I that there is a huge audience for this thing is really, really difficult because there is so much bias The industry starts with a no and works its way towards a yes every single time. And you just keep showing up and delivering more and more bona fides. And now to have John bona fides and, you know, the greatest ambassador I have is the fucking squad father, which is Jimmy. Like Jimmy won't like the, the amount of people who tell me. Oh, by the way, I hung out with Jimmy Jam the other day, and that motherfucker talks about you in, like, the highest way possible. And I'm like, I don't know if there's a greater compliment that you can be paid.
1: I have to slip this in for people who don't know, because Jimmy Jam is a legend. Son of Cornbread Harris, a Minneapolis blues and jazz musician. He's got music in his blood. He's a record producer, instrumentalist, songwriter, has done a ton of things— had Billboard Hot 100 number one songs with Janet Jackson, George Michael, Boys to Men, Mariah Carey, Usher. He had a million with Janet Jackson, for that matter. Has won five Grammys, been nominated for probably 20-plus. Jimmy Jam is a king in the industry and shows up in the session lives. It's so cool. All right, back to it. I mean, do you ever just... I have so many things written down that I want to talk about. I mean, you were not only that, but you were on stage basically replacing the Rizzo with the grave diggers.
0: Yeah. Now uh, that was like, bananas.
1: So do you ever wake up and just go, what the fuck is going on? Every day. <laughs> like, how did I get here? Every day. It's the coolest fucking thing, man. Holy, like, it's, yeah, we're, I, we're in the middle of something. So I want to get back to that. But at some point, just stop me, tell me to shut up and tell me a story about that. It's <laughs> <man>. Just ridiculous. <laughs> no, the,
0: the, those years were, you know, like, I, I as I've said ad nauseum, like, one of the things that I'm really grateful for is that I've been allowed to experience so much incredible music as a participant. Whether it was a a DJ during the fucking ballooning of the, the electronica culture in America, whether it was being the token white guy in hip hop on the road with those fucking dudes for two years, whether it was being in an industrial band in New York and in the club culture in New York in the 90s and coming out here and being in England from 77 to 83, which, you know, is one of the greatest gifts the Great Pumpkin could have given me, you know, like I do... You know, my you know, my sister and I will occasionally talk about it. She's like, your life is not actually the life of a real person. And I'm it's, like, no, it, it really isn't. feels
1: it's, like when I saw you for the first time on the podcast, I'm like, this is, you know, I don't want to, I don't mean to blow you up crazy. Everyone has their issues. I'm sure it's not a dream life. Okay. That I I get. That. Oh,
0: having Asperger's is a dick punch on a daily basis. I hear you. <laughs> I,
1: I totally like the things you've accomplished at the very least, at least if you wrote them on paper, you would yeah. in the beginning of your life before any of this had happened. And now you look at them and you go. Pretty good.
0: <laughs> I got oh, to like, take this. It's extraordinary. Yeah. The pathway to finding this thing was that I wore every hat in the music industry that I wanted to wear at a level where I could look at it and actually work out if this was going to be what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I had to stop because ultimately it was never about the music, no matter where I found myself. You know, on the road was great, but I'm a homebody. I want to be in my house. Mm. I don't want to be on the road 10 months out of the fucking year. And it's a great lifestyle and the money is outrageous and doing it when I did was incredible, but I didn't want that life. When I worked at a record label, it was, you cared about the record until it didn't sell anymore. And then you didn't care about the record anymore. When I worked in music videos, I realized that we were having this really cool, artistic experience for a couple days and then we just moved on to the next commercial and radio is the same thing like the last thing that radio cares about is the music that it's fucking built on producing like i produced records for island records and i've been in big studios and and you know like it's great but it sucked because ultimately the fucking record label decided everything
1: do you feel like you've searched every corner of the of the music business industry like yeah and 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 now you finally kind of broke the door down and just made your own room
0: Yeah, basically, I was like, okay, I just have to make something that is entirely mine that just allows me to give a fuck about music in a way that I care about. Awesome. It's so
1: cool, because I feel a similar way. And both of us, I guess, me, not to an extent that you have, but due to COVID, we're forced to just create that what you were looking for, kind of, you were already doing it with the live shows, but... This, especially with a regular schedule and really growing big time, was kind of, not thanks to COVID, but it forced us, it kicked us in the ass into this direction. I only started the podcast when the pandemic started. And I just find that so interesting. I wonder if it would have been different if this didn't happen. Like, it's not what you assumed before COVID ever happened that you were going to get to. But no. once the lockdown started, is this kind of the best thing that could have happened? Because now you're a little more comfortable Mm -hmm. in that
0: new room that you've created? More so than that is that I now have ears and eyes on me around the world. I mean, you know, like the thing is that the live show was incredibly difficult to describe to anybody. So when I started a new city, when I broke open a city, which is the way I would, what I called it was, I would have to like, San Francisco, like I literally started in my friend's living room. And then I did that until the point where I had 200 to 300 names. Cause you need about 400 names to fill a 200 person room. Right. Because if you have 200, they can't all show up. So you have to. So I had like 400 people on the San Francisco email list. Then I got a 200 person venue. So once I broke that place open, then I was like, okay, the next one is New York. So then I started flying to New York every month and started in my friend's high end stereo shop through a $400,000 Macintosh rig playing stems to a room of 30 people they moved into a venue that uh, into a place that has a 200 person venue in the basement. So I was good there. So now I could do 200 people in New York and the next one was Chicago. And I was just starting to get my feet under me in Chicago when COVID hit. And yeah. I was like, I really don't know what I'm going to do. So I first started, I literally just walked people through my CD collection.
1: That's fucking massive <laughs> for like
0: three weeks. I just pulled out every single CD and told people why I owned it and what song was on there. That's and then cool. it went to, then I have, like, 10,000 records, so I went through my record collection. Then I went through my DVDs, and I was like, okay, why not, what am I going to do when I run out of fucking right. DVDs and There's books? An I did and then, you know, I, I started noticing that there were fucking, you know, there were people doing musical shit on Instagram, and I was like, what the hell the fuck are they making this sound okay? So I was like, all right, so I, I have a little mixer that I was using for my show. So, I took the headphone jack out and I plugged it into back before the iPhone didn't have a headphone jack. Right. Plugged it into the headphone jack, plugged it into the Thunderbolt, and it didn't work. And I was like, okay, so that's a, that's, it has to be powered because this is just regular board power. So, that doesn't work. So, then Roland made this thing called a Go which I've is like this it. little yeah it's like a little huh. white square and it just literally has a thunderbolt cable that comes out or the lightning cable that comes out of it yeah. and then quarter inches in so i borrowed one from a friend of mine the sound was mediocre but it worked And i was like yep. cool he was already doing his thing so i couldn't borrow his so i bought one and it was broken when it arrived <laughs> of course and then by that time covid had taken off and all of them were fucking you couldn't oh, find shit. one
1: yeah
0: because they weren't making them anymore and the shipping and all that and Everything everybody was, was doing impossible this. To find, yeah. So I was like, okay, so I had this broken one. So I unscrewed it, pulled it to pieces get out of here. to see how it worked. <laughs> because I was like, I don't understand. Like you don't have to download any software into your phone to get this thing to work. No. So it's fundamentally not changing any coding inside the phone. So it must simply be something happening in there. And what Digital I realized to analog
1: adaptation, basically.
0: It was just that it has to be a powered, it has to turn the sound card in the phone off. Okay. So it has to be a powered signal. So I was like, okay, so then I went. And found that these mixers have this little square Inside printer port you see USB. And then one company in China makes a you that square USB to a Thunderbolt. And that was the white cable right here that fucking changed everything. Wow. So this this cable like literally changed. Did you the buy whole like
1: a hundred of them? <laughs> I
0: have because <laughs> they break, they just randomly stop working, <laughs> sure. which is incredibly annoying. So I have I have 20 of them and then right. somebody else then sent us a bunch of them. So that cable changed everything. And once I could plug in, and when I first started, there was, you know, like 80 people, you But know? that's,
1: I mean, but you got to, you always start at somewhere. zero, but you somewhere is always zero. You're starting at zero and then you're working your way up and it's a blessing that you had 80. And then you get onto the next thing and you get onto this. And now you're it's, every night I log on, there's almost a thousand people. And it's, I yeah. only, I imagine it's going to go up and it's just not to take credit away from you because you're giving us this, But the experience of it's almost the same experience of being at like a big festival, like a really big one where you have thousands of people just outside. It's 3 a.m. The last act is on and everyone's feeling the exact same way. And that's super rare. You don't get that when you're just listening to a new album that just came out. It's great. It's a good experience, but you don't have that sense of community. And. When that happens, this sounds preachy now, but whatever, who cares? All the bullshit just kind of fades away. There's no like BS in your chat. Everyone's just having a good time asking about new facts about this song or whatever. I've never heard this before. This sounds amazing. It's just, it gives me that festival vibe, which I wish I could do every week. (laughs) It's just not feasible. And so nothing I've ever done other than be a part of that has given me that feeling. So I just have no doubt that it's going to go like in the right direction. At some point, something's oh, going to you. break where someone's going to realize what they have on their hands here.
0: It's, yeah, it's people tell, cool. me, tell me all the time, like, why don't you shut the chat down? I'm like, because I love the chat. I don't want to sit yeah. in my room talking into the air. Oh, I that's love the when, best like, part to me. Like, you know, when my buddy Matt Wiki is like checking a wick, I'm like, hey, can somebody find out if this thing is real? And like people find that information out. It's it's really You know, the fact that it is a conversation and there are, you know, there are really funny people who are always on point in the chat. And there are people who know things and and just fans who are like, holy shit, like this is blowing my mind. And then ultimately, there is something scientifically proven about the medicine of what we're doing. Like a lot of people hit me up and like, dude, at the end of your session, I actually feel better. Me too. And I'm like, oh, I know that that's fact because when I was doing every day at 11 o'clock in the morning for the first eight months of quarantine, there are mornings like, and I did it at 11. There were mornings yeah. I would get up at nine 30 and I would just be like, I don't want to fucking do it today. And then right. I would sit down. I'd be like, you don't have anything else to do. And I would sit down and by the end of a Bee Gees fucking song or a tonic song or name it, I would be like, Oh shit. Like I actually feel better because the chemistry of my brain has been changed by the fucking music, which is yeah. not, that's not hyperbole. That's not bullshit. That's proven scientific facts. No, it's so it's there literally is... like,
1: it's like working out your brain. It, that's what it's, it's in your ears. That. Yeah. Yep. It, it, and when the, you're done with the workout, you're like, I feel maybe not a sense of accomplishment, but there's something similar to that where well, you feel also, like you've got something done.
0: Well, there's that. And there's literally chemical releases of dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin that are occurring as the music sure. is tickling. So your brain is getting you know, there is so much math, math, like that's the thing with Janet, right? Like that's so much mathematical computation is happening. You know, so even if it's like, even if you just look at the frequencies, but like your brain is acting like tool tonight. Like your brain is actually doing mathematical computation that is leading to a chemical impulse that is leading to a raising of your mood. That is very, very special. Can I just say
1: the way you describe that is cool as fuck. And also, it leads me to one of the questions that I had written down here, because it's not the listening to the song that's what's so cool about what you do. It, that is cool. But if it were just that and no commentary, it wouldn't be as fun. What makes it cool is that you have this way of describing it and talking about it that you clearly love it. It doesn't matter if someone matches your love for the song or the industry, no, or whatever the fuck. it doesn't make any difference. It's that no. if you can feel that you love it and it's all so natural. And it makes me wonder, like, did you always know that you had that in you and you wanted uh, an excuse to start a music podcast where you could talk this way? Or did you just get your hands on the stems and then all of a sudden it just became this thing that you love?
0: I think that part of the, you know, Greta Thunberg describes her Asperger's as her superpower. I don't know if it's a superpower, but I do think that the profound moment, there were two records that concussed my brain when I was a child that you know, an ex-girlfriend described it to me as like the DNA, Your DNA gets reconfigured, oh, yeah. and the two records that reconfigured my DNA at a very early age were Phil Collins' "Face Value" and a record by Michael Phil called "Tubular Bells," which Americans will know as the theme song to The Exorcist, which is just one of the greatest musical accomplishments of all time. Okay, got that one out. My cool. conjecture is it's the greatest record ever recorded. Wow, high praise. Yeah, it's okay. It's absolutely. It's, it's a nineteen-year-old. It's 2,600 overdubs. It is an absolutely extraordinary achievement. Virgin Records was built on it. There was a point in the UK where one in four people owned the album. It is an absolute, it is a breathtaking, it's a breathtaking piece of work. Um, One of my goals is to do a documentary on the making of that thing with Michael Oldfield before he passes away. So those two moments were moments when I was like, Oh, so music does something completely different than just listening to it. And then I started to play drums. And then that was clearly, you know, there's something about that, the mechanical nature of that, that teaches you a bunch of the inner workings. And then I just sort of, as I said, like stumbled from place to place. I thought that being in a band would satiate it, but it wasn't. The interpersonal nature of that is very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And then producing, I thought was going to do it, but that didn't. So... The first time I did a live show, I didn't know what it was going to be like. So I basically was working at a radio station and I had them pay to rent the room and I gave away 150 tickets. And I just told the audience, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to sit down and we're going to do Rosanna and we're going to do fucking Rosanna and Marvin Gaye. And I was like, I'm just going to see what happened. And from the minute that I sat down and started doing it. I was like, holy fuck, this is, this is the thing that I would, I've i been looking for my entire life because That's I just get cool. to talk about music. I get to care about the music. I get to show people things that I know they've never experienced before. And as you said, I've used the word ultimately a lot. <laughs> as as you said, like the nice <laughs> oh, thing I is- I'll change it
1: to something
0: else. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's known in, in the radio <laughs> world is. It's a crutch. What happens is your brain finds a crutch and each show, you'll have oh, one word you use it. a lot more than any Try other. Try editing um, your own thing. At least you don't have to do that. Awful. <laughs> I have to listen um, to so the nice thing to me was that, as you described, I am not the star of the show. I am a vessel by which I'm a conductor that shows you like, check this out. So that allowed me to be really comfortable with the experience because I don't like to be the center of attention much as it looks a lot like that i don't the music is everything like i'm not here for people to go christian james hand first music second it's like music first this bald twat second every single time so to have that experience was really profound because it allowed me to do all of the things that i'd ever wanted to do in one moment i mean you know i have friends of mine who've known me for years who come and see the live show and are like dude i can't believe that you turned hanging out in your apartment and listening to music (laughs) into a job. Because I used to do this with all my friends. I mean, I had these masters for years before the show started.
1: Dude, And my friends
0: would come over and I would just be like, hey, you guys want to hear some amazing queen shit while we get high? And they'd be like, fuck yeah, we do. I could literally just sit here for hours.
1: This sounds so silly, but I could cry listening to that. It's so, (laughs) because it's so, it's like you found this unique way that your brain operates and call it Asperger's, call it whatever, I don't know, call it whatever you want, it doesn't matter. Your brain operates this way, and you know that it would be cool if other people could see how that happened. And you've found a way to just make that accessible for everybody. And Thank it's you.
0: rare, it's, it's just so like- It's very rare.
1: Yeah, it, it's,
0: it's really- It's an entirely unique thing.
1: It really is. And I yeah. imagine, I'm hoping we get to a point where I go back and listen to this and go, remember when he was the only guy doing that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> like everyone's doing, yeah. breaking down Beatles songs for three
1: hours. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, my goal is to have it. I'm like, I know that there's a French version of me. I know that there's a Latin American version of <laughs> right. me, and Absolutely. I want to like franchise it out. You should have it be the fucking session with Jean-Jacques Boulay, and he gets yes. to do all the French acts. That you I should could just never do now. Know. We should
1: we should record a second podcast where we just do it with a bad <laughs> French accent, and we're just Jean-Jacques.
0: Boulay. Bonjour, I'm Jean-Jacques Boulay. <laughs> we're doing like classic you know? French music. Oh, but man. I know that there are dudes in each, you know, and there are people who can talk about, you know, Mana and Soda Stereo and Gustavo Cerati and fucking all these incredible like, Latin American bands that I have no fucking clue about, right? Who have enormous fan bases. Of course. Or could do a Biohazard song in Spanish and fucking tell everyone. Yeah, it doesn't about matter what that. it
1: is. That's actually what I love is your genres are so all over the place. Don't like give you said a you're fuck. doing Tool tonight and yep. you do Janet Jackson last night. Yep. And it's like, <laughs> no Don't give i love that that's the way i listen to music too whatever hits me that day is perfect uh also people will not be able to hear it because this won't come out in time but fuck them you should have been listening the whole time the tool song that you're doing schism tonight right yeah it's bananas yeah i find it so funny because i love when you do the remixes at the end and you just take them and just flip them a little bit and it makes it its own brand new thing but uh i've been noticing and i've been listening a lot and It seems, I don't know if you realize this or not, but it seems like you love to organize songs where they build and build and build and then kind of like explode at the top. But But what
0: I'm doing is my version of the song. So when I used to do it live, this is actually something that I learned in in the Instagram version that I will actually start introducing in the live version. What I like about the remix at the end, the reason that I do it is so that I can start adding elements. So your brain can arrange it because if you get yes. the whole song in one piece, you don't hear it all it's hard for your brain to be like, Oh, that's that piano bit that I remember hearing. It was amazing. But if you start with the acoustic guitar with just the vocal, and then you bring in the next guitar line or maybe the keys, you know, and generally the drums will get brought in last because that's the Phil Collins trick. Sure you know like last night i based the entire thing about the vocal and the bass because that's a great steel beam that goes through the whole song so the reason I'm i am play doing the bass i
1: couldn't have said a cooler compliment to bass players i just mean now.
0: the bass the, the bass player is like that's i think the single greatest accomplishment of the yeah, of the exactly. session is showing people how important the bass player is like how significant exactly. and how underappreciated like maurice Gibb, like one of the greatest oh. bass players of all time and nobody has any fucking clue So that's why I do that thing at the end is A, to keep it interesting for myself, B, it fights the bot, and C, it allows me to sort of have people be like, oh, shit, when the drums and the bass aren't taking up all of that EQ space, you can hear all those little dances and all those little things that were put in there. And then I was, a, you know, I was a DJ in raves back in the 90s. So I know how to build a dance floor. And I know it's like the equivalent of a drop when the fucking right. drums coming at the end and the whole place just goes. Totally. I'm shit. with it.
1: And it's very cool. And it allows it's like your goal is to just expand everyone's brain to hear all the things
0: we're already hearing.
1: But for Tool specifically, and I was listening to the song before, they do that. The song actually already exists that way, and it just seems to agree with you so well that I'm intrigued to see what happens later.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Schism's, uh, you know, it's it's a blinder. The thing that is a bummer about the tool stems is that in order for people to not be able to utilize them out of the context of the song, they did the same thing that the police did on their stems, where they have a very low volume full mix underneath it. So it's enough to fuck with you trying to sample it, but it's not enough for it to ruin the experience. Oh, because, it's like a watermark on the music. Yeah, it's like Danny Carey's fucking drums are just, I mean, the whole fucking uh. band is is bananas. So yeah, The Schism is, it's a its a great one to do. And live, it's, you know, I have a one, my two venues in LA that I had, one was like this sort of like cool little 200 person, but it felt like a, a salon. And then the other one is like just a straight rock and roll venue with a huge PA And I would pick the venue depending on how I wanted the song to sound. And I did Tool and Slipknot in this fucking huge venue with a light show. And it was bananas. Good, man. Like Danny Carey's drums. There really is a a
1: specific venue that's better for heavy metal kind of stuff. I remember. Oh, yeah. It just needs to be huge. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be the right shape, too. This is a really weird example. I don't know why it comes to mind, but I saw Powerman 5000 at Hammerstein Ballroom. And it just was, they were so popular at the time. And it was just the right. Mix of sound that it just lives with me forever. And that's a band nobody probably even knows that's listening to this, but it was so like, yeah, I hear that. You really got to choose
0: what you're, yeah, hearing. I had to choose the, you know, because I wanted one and also one was more expensive than the other. Yeah, so yeah, I had sure. to make, you know, choices on that. But I even on, you know, like I put it into that room knowing that, you know, I only sold 110 tickets to that show because I knew that musical snobby assholes wouldn't understand that they should probably come to it. But the 110 people that came were like fucking just beaten into submission by two of the fuck i mean the hammering drums of joey jordanson followed by Dude, fucking danny terry like it's a percussionist's fucking wet dream and the bass lines between fucking you know what's his name from tool and and, and uh number five yeah. from slipknot i mean it was you know like so the experience of being able to have these things also played not in a little room on little speakers like being able right. to like put stems through a fucking huge pa or a two million dollar stereo system and people get to hear them in a way that they've never heard them before so you know like the layers of it just become it's like a tardis like it just gets bigger and bigger as you blow it out and you know that's my hope is with each of these steps that i take that providing different ways to experience it are going to make people want to see hollywood nights four times because it's going to be in four different places with four different versions of the show
1: and different crowds. That different it really crowds. makes it different. It really has that energetic feel that's different. Um, I have so many things I want to ask, and I could bullshit Please. with you literally all day long, so I'm trying to keep myself on the straight and narrow. First of all, you have spent a lot of time on Long Island. I'm from Long Island. I'm living there right this moment recording. it. I just want to make it clear that, of course, Christian was nice enough to ask where I lived, and we talked about where he lived in relation to where I live, but if you want that information, you're going to have to write me some nice fan mail first to get the address, so... Hit me up at the link underscore podcast. I'll give you the address. Handwrite me a letter. I'll write one back. Maybe that's what we do for fans. Back at it. How did you get here? Because you're from across the pond, and yes. you have such an interesting accent. Honestly, I know. I, it's I don't know if disaster. it's a weird thing to say, but it's no, it's not. It's cool because you can hear both, but not either one stands yes. out. Yes.
0: <laughs> you no. Know? I sit in a Venn diagram of accents. I was born in England, and I lived for six years in Africa. And then it returned oh, to wow. England to, to London uh, in 1977. We showed up in London for the Queen's Jubilee. Uh, we stayed there until 1973. I am inexhaustible in my ability to talk about the magnificence of that musical era in England. I'll do a like, whole
1: other um, podcast on the just this
0: late 70s. It was extraordinary.
1: Little did we know at the time, we kind of were going to do a whole other podcast with stories and music and a whole bunch of other stuff that's really awesome. But I'm going to have to explain that more in about five minutes.
0: Like literally every (laughs) day that you woke up, there was something else coming out of the radio. It wasn't like, you know, because we didn't have alternative radio and hit radio. We just had fucking radio. Right. So, you know, like the fucking specials and all that shit and the English beat and Gary Newman that are all showing up here on like alternative charts. Those are on the fucking charts. There was one time where we had four weekly music magazines coming out in England. (laughs) And then and there you know, were like,
1: enough people to care about it, to sell them
0: and mo- enough content to fill and enough content. And, you know, then and then three monthlies that were available. It was bananas, dude. Seventy seven. I mean, I remember watching the fucking Sex Pistols on Top of the Pops, which was like a, a half hour show on a Thursday night, which was yeah, know, like but- and just like every like soft sell the Pesh Mode. Fucking, you know, Elvis Costello, and then you know, fucking. Did, I remember watching. We had a black and white TV because in England you had to have. It cost more for a TV license to have a color wow. TV than it was to have a black and white. And they would actually send a van around that could detect the color signal, <laughs> no so it way. could detect if you had a color TV and you would been like if you had a black and white TV, a black and white TV license. But you had a color TV, they could actually find it out, and you would get fined. And they would drive around with the detector van. Yes, it's bananas, (laughs) craziness over television. So we had a black. That's what they were worried about at the time. And gotta find the color TVs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wipe out all the coal miners and find out all the color TVs. (laughs) So we had like you know, but so my dad was not. My dad's a cheap fuck. I love him to death, but he's he he'll admit it. He's tight, yeah. as we would say in England. <laughs> so we had a black and white TV. So right. I remember watching the Sex Pistols in black and white on top of the pops, and still being like, oh, so everything is going to kind of be different after these guys. Th- that
1: is the. Mo- I mean, this is an exaggeration, obviously, but that is the most different that music has ever become in the modern era. I think it's Dude. like. You must have been hearing new stuff every single day. My dad every talks day. about music the same exact way, which is I every find single it really day. cool. And it's like there's and not no... only is it
0: like the sound, it was what they looked like. Don't forget, yeah. like we didn't just. It wasn't like dudes in in regular street clothes. It was Adam and the Ants looking like that. Right. It was Gary Newman looking like that. It was Depeche Mode looking like that. It, it felt like a whole new world like that.
1: that they were living in that you weren't yet in, and kind of wanted were... to get there.
0: And then it transitioned into like. The Smiths and The Cure uh, and I mean, yeah. Echo and the Bunnymen and those guys. So it became like, you know, like The Cure were in the goth end of it. And Echo and the Bunnymen and The Smiths were like Because the you started to have class. counterculture towards the new culture. It was a complete, you know, it was fractal. It was amazing. So uh. leaving there in 1983 and going to Port Jefferson, Long Island, was a real fucking yeah, dick so punch.
1: how and why? <laughs> I love New York. I've been a Long Islander. I've left. I've come back multiple times. I love it here. But... What happened that you came to Porch F? Look, here's the rub. There's two kind of people in this world. The kind of people that read the whole title of each podcast episode before they jump into it, maybe even the description. And then people who trust me enough just to hit play and don't worry about it and we'll see what happens. For both of you, I have good news and bad news. The bad news, this episode is ending now. I hear ya, you want more. That's the good news. Next week, there's a part two. If you didn't notice, there's a part one in the title of this episode, and part two is coming next week. It's a whole nother hour. Christian and I went on for a long time. He has so many more stories that I refuse to edit out, and I want to share with everybody, but I want all of this to get the attention that it deserves, because I want to plug his channel. It's very cool, so in between this week and next week, next Monday is when the next part will come out. And if you're listening in the future, then congratulations. They're both out. You can hear them both back to back. For everyone else, go follow at the session IG live. If you can pop into one throughout the week, it will make this experience a little bit better. You'll feel part of the group, like you're part of a team, like you know him a little bit. And you might even enjoy this a little more. If not, you're still going to enjoy part two because there are wild stories in there. There really are. Now, as we mentioned, the trick to his channel is that they're not stored everywhere. It's live and it's gone. It's very cool, but you have to be part of it at the right time. It's also why I half-apologize for referencing the Tool one and the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, and that's what I know, so I wanted to talk to him about it, but you can't access it because you weren't there. If you were there and you're listening to this, welcome. If you weren't, join the club, and then next time you'll understand all the references and you'll be on the inside of all the inside jokes, just like Michael Scott always wanted.
0: love to be a part of one someday.
1: If you don't have time to do that, We mentioned it earlier. I point you to the Tom Talks episode with Christian James Hand. You'll see it if you go to Tom Segura's YouTube channel. And on that podcast, he does a full track breakdown like he does on his own Instagram. But this one is obviously stored on YouTube. So you can get a full, it's like an hour and a half long at least. But it's basically a trailer for his channel and it will allow you to see what it's all about. Plus, it's the fucking Beastie Boys' What You Want, which is a great track, and you hear a ton of stuff that you probably didn't catch before it. It's a really good one. So I recommend that. I recommend the channel. I recommend you come back next week because, seriously, you're not going to want to miss it. We talk more about the channel, but we really do get into some wild stuff that he's gone through and that he has lived through and experienced. It's all very cool. Thank you for listening. Follow me at the link underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I like interaction. Let me know what you think. Always drop the secret code word for the people that have listened all the way through the end till the final bell. And of course, this week's secret code word, it has a good emoji with it. So I'm excited. It's bananas. Thank you to Christian for coming on. Looking forward to next week's first two-parter. Another momentous occasion for the podcast. Get excited. See you then.